Amen. You know, I was thinking, I, I wonder if we decided to go to the city of Frankston and, and hit the streets and, and ask everyone a question. And I wonder if we, we went to the streets and we just decided to ask people, what, what's God like for you? When, when, when I say God, what do you think of? And, and how would you describe God? It's, it's a fascinating question. I wonder what we would say when we think about this question. Well, what is God like? In Psalm 34, David says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, they say you can argue about different truth and, and different beliefs that you have, but you can't argue with a man's experience. And David was a man who had experienced the presence of God. He had tasted and he'd come to this conclusion that God is good. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's important that we understand the context of when David makes this statement, because, you know, you know, we can think about this guy, David, when we read about him, he, he does great things and we can think, well, that's great for you, David, that you've come to the conclusion that God is good, but you don't know what my life's been like and you don't know what I'm going through right now. But it's important that we understand the context of this psalm. You see, David wrote this when he was on the run. David, if you know anything about him, he'd been serving under King Saul. And, uh, you know, there were these events that took place where David, you probably would have heard of David and Goliath in that battle. And so David uh, went out, but he was sent out from King Saul who said, go and fight Goliath. And so as a result of that, David comes into Saul's presence and begins to serve in what the Bible calls uh, an armor bearer. So he takes on that role of, of an armor bearer and serving the King Saul. And so in the process of serving this king, David becomes the commander of the army. Saul makes him the commander. So David would go out and fight these battles. And on one occasion, or on many occasions when David would come back from battle and they would have, the army of Israel would have fought a great fight and, and, and won a great victory, they would come back in and all the women would come out and they would start singing a Beyonce song and it was really moving to say the least. Uh, no, Beyonce wasn't around then in case you're wondering, but they, these women would come out and they would start singing songs and you know I can imagine the guys and they come in and they got their cuts and they're showing off their cuts maybe put a bit of extra dirt on the face just for the ladies and just walking around how you doing just giving them that one and so they would come into town and that's how I wooed Katie I don't know why she's leaving right now but it's obviously not working in this moment but uh pride it's my pride she can't stand it no no I'm just joking just joking but so these the, the women would come out and, and they'd start singing it and this song that they would sing was Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands and so they would be singing this and Saul the king heard this and he wasn't too happy about that here's this king and really they're only attributing to him thousands, but to David, tens of thousands. And so this process, when you read it, uh, starts to happen where 
Saul becomes jealous of David. And it even says in the Bible that Saul becomes afraid of David because he sees the favour on his life. And so David finds himself in this predicament that probably not a lot of us would have faced or maybe ever will face, but it's similar to what happened to Joseph where because of the favour on Joseph, Joseph's life, he finds, Joseph finds himself in a place where his brothers try and kill him simply because God is on his life. He, he is the son with the coat of many colours and because of the blessing on his life, he becomes a target. You see, sometimes walking with God, sometimes walking in the favour of God isn't always a great thing. You read Jesus in, in the Gospels, his first sermon, they go and take him out to a cliff to try and throw him off. You see, sometimes walking in this, in this favour and this relationship with God isn't always a popular thing. And so David finds himself in this predicament where he's serving faithfully under Saul. He's his armour bearer. But all of a sudden, this guy Saul wants to kill David. But David, who is a man of honour, refuses to lift his hand against Saul. But what ends up happening is David has to leave his hometown, or sorry, the town that had become his home, simply because this guy Saul was going to kill him. And so David is forced to leave. And part of, as you read this unfolding, David had befriended Saul's son, Jonathan, and they had this friendship and they were, they were besties. They would text each other, LOL, and they, they just loved doing life together. And, uh, and this, this situation arises where Saul is going to kill David. And you read about this and it says that when David and Jonathan both come to this conclusion that Saul is going to try and kill him, they weep because they realize they have to depart from each other, that they can't, the way things were can't be the same anymore. And so, so David has to leave. And it's in that context that David writes this psalm. And he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He was on the run. He'd had to leave his best friend. And you know, what I realized was that for David, experiencing the goodness of God wasn't just to do with his external circumstances all lining up. Because I can tell you, if we went to the city of Frankston, we asked people, and even if I was to ask people in here, what, what are your thoughts when you think of God and the goodness of God? Do you say God is a good God? And often what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about God based on our perception of life. And so if life has been hard, well, we say, well, where were you, God? Or God's not that good a God. Or if, you know, if life sucks at the moment or we're sick or we can, we can talk about who we think God is based on our own perception of life. But David doesn't say, taste and see that life is good. He says, taste and see that God is good. You see, David knew that sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes you have to leave situations and things don't work out the way you thought they were going to work out. And yet in the midst of it, he could say, taste and see that the Lord is good. His perception of God's goodness wasn't based on his circumstances alone. You know, for me in my life, 
the last four years, um, it was really random. Four years ago, I got diagnosed with this stomach condition. Out of the blue, I kind of considered myself, you know, a sporty guy. I, would pl- I was playing footy heaps and just training and all that stuff. And out of the blue, got this stomach condition, which uh, meant that my diet would have to change a lot. But, uh, you know, every now and again, pretty much the last four years, I would have you know, what they would call a flare-up. And, you know, without going into all the details, it would basically mean I would have to go in a hospital for a week, maybe two weeks, have to get, you know, a cortisone injection and then go on tablets. And, you know, through the process, it it made me really uh, think about people who have to go on medicine. And it actually, you know, some of the medicine I was on actually changed my appearance. I became like Fat Aaron, with a fat face walking around. You can laugh at that. It's, it's not an issue I don't think that I have to deal with with the Lord. But, um, but I, I, you know, it was just one of the side effects that, that, that came and it, it made me realize because there were so many times where, you know, as a, as a young person, a fit person, what I looked like had been dictated by what I did, that I would exercise, try and eat well. But here I found myself in, in, in a situation where the medicine was dictating to me uh, my appearance. And that, that was hard. And, you know, through all those times and all those challenges, in the midst of that, I was trying to finish an apprenticeship. And praise God, I got there in the end. I was pretty exhausted by the end of it. Uh, but I got there in the end. But, you know, through that all, I could still say that God was good. I could still say that in, in, you know, I remember times in hospital having, you know, I look back on them, some of the most intimate times that I had with God through the midst of those circumstances and and even, you know, sometimes feeling just so drained and so exhausted and worrying, how am I going to, you know, and, and, you know, in the midst of it, you're thinking, how am I going to, you know, um, provide for a family one day how am I you know as a guy you think about all these things but in the midst of that I could still say that God was good and you know now I run my own business which you know is crazy like 12 months ago I was literally sitting in a hospital working for someone else had no idea what I was going to do with my life and then now run my own business and haven't had to go in a hospital this year and, you know, I still have to manage my health, but God has been so good to, to be able to provide for us, to provide for us. You know, God, God is good and He is good all the time. He is good all the time. Even when life sucks, I want to be like David who knows what it is to draw from God and my relationship with Him, that despite my circumstance, I can say that I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know, when it comes to this uh, area of the goodness of God in, in the book of James, James says, don't be deceived, my brothers. Because it's so easy when we talk about the goodness of God to get deceived on this topic. Because we can think that the goodness of God is just dependent upon if our stars align and our situations work out and if if the bank account is a certain amount, we can think that that's the goodness of God. But in the book of James, he says, 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So basically what James is saying is that a shadow will move because of the sun. So a shadow is dictated and and where a shadow moves is dictated according to an external object. So an external object will dictate where a shadow moves. And God says, I'm not like that. I'm not like a shifting shadow. I don't move based on external circumstances changing. Actually, He says that He's the God of the heavenly lights. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is good and He will always be good. Even when I don't understand my circumstance, God is good. God is good. His opinion towards you doesn't change based on what you do. His love for you stays the same. God is good. God is good. You know, I want to, I just want to finish with this story. Uh, it's, it's in Luke chapter 15 and it's the story about two sons. The Bible, the title given says it's the story about the prodigal son, but really it's a story. We're still good? We're still good. Two sons. And you know, as I look at this passage, I'm just going to summarise it. As I was preparing, I felt there were two areas that God, two, two blockages that God wanted me to, I guess, bring up that are stopping people from experiencing the goodness of God. And the first is unworthiness. And the second is unforgiveness. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we read this story about these two sons. And, and it says that there was, there was a father who had two sons. And, and one day the younger son comes to the father and says, Hey, Dad, I want my share of the estate. He wanted his inheritance. And so in that day and age and in that culture, basically the, the, the father would set a proper time. There was a set time where the father would give his inheritance to his boys. You know, often in, in our day and age, normally when a parent passes away, then they'll receive an inheritance. But in this day and age, the father would set a proper time, a time that he felt was right to give his kids the inheritance. But here the younger son decides that he's just going to come to dad and say, hey, dad, I, I want it now. And the Bible says that the father divides his share of the estate. And the younger son goes away, eventually decides to leave home with everything that dad gave him. He goes away. But something happened in that moment in the older brother when dad did that. Something happened. You see, the older brother really by right should have received the inheritance first. And he had been waiting longer than the younger brother. And all of a sudden, Dad decides, I'm going to give my inheritance. 
And, and something happened on the inside of the older brother that day when, when things didn't go the way he thought they would go. Something started to happen. And so we see these two sons and, and the younger son goes out in wild living and, and, he, and he squanders the wealth. He, he's, he's living wild and, and it's all gone. And he, 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 he finds himself in this place. He's got to get a job. And he, he goes and hires himself out and, and, and he finds himself feeding pigs. That's all he could get. And in a moment where he's just so at the end of himself, he's watching these pigs eating away. And it says that he desired to eat what the pigs were eating. He was so desperate. And in that moment, he has this moment. He's like, oh my goodness, how did I get here? How did life lead me to this place? How, how did I even? And he starts to think of home and he starts to think of his dad and he starts to think of the servants, that even the servants were doing better than he was doing in that moment. And he says, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna set out. I'm gonna go back to my father and I'm gonna say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And I just felt like there are some people here today and, and you've done something like this younger son and, and maybe you haven't said it out loud, but on the inside you're saying, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I feel like God wants to break that off you today because the Bible says that while the son was a long way off, the father ran to him. You see, like I said to you before, the goodness of God doesn't change based on what you do. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called the Gospel because we think, but I, I messed up and now I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. And He is happy just to be called a hired hand, just to be back in the Father's house, but just to be a servant. But that's not good enough for the Father. Father runs to him with compassion, throws his arm around him, kisses him and, and puts on a feast, puts the, the best robe on him, puts the ring back on the finger, gives him his authority back. Because our God does not change. The older brother, when he hears about this, he won't go into the party. He can't celebrate what's happened. And the father comes out and pleads with him and says, come in. And, he, and, and the, the older brother, he just can't celebrate that his younger brother has come back. And it all started in that moment where dad divided the inheritance and because things didn't go the way he thought they should have, because he was the older brother, something had grown on the inside of him. It was bitterness, it was offence. It had turned into unforgiveness and he couldn't celebrate someone else's uh, return and the fact that his brother was now alive. And you know, the, the Bible doesn't tell us what happens to the older brother if he comes back in, if he has a repentance moment. Because often I think that it can be almost harder to be the son that's still in the house, maybe still attending church, that has held on to something for so long, something that happened and, and you just can't let it go. And that can affect us and it can affect us from tasting the goodness of God.
today God wants us to taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to know that the one constant in this story was that the Father's love never changed despite the actions of the two sons. His love does not change towards you. Sometimes when we forget what it is to taste the goodness of God, we just need to remember the cross. You see, there was a garden. It was called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus prayed in this garden. He prayed to His Father and He said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And He pleaded. You see, the cup represented what Jesus would have to taste for us. It represented our sin that Jesus who had no sin would need to become sin in order for us to be reconnected back to the Father. And Jesus prays a second time in the garden. He cries out to God. And He says, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Let it pass. And then He prays a third time. And he prays the same thing again. And what was happening in this moment was that his will was being crucified. You see, before he was crucified externally, he was crucified internally because he had to surrender his will to the will of the Father. And that's what was happening in the garden. He was surrendering, he was surrendering because he knew he had to drink the cup for humanity. He knew He had to taste death so that we would taste life. And as He went to the cross, they mocked Him. They spit on Him. He was Jesus and they they pushed Him. They put a crown of thorns on Him. They said to Him, Who are you, King of the Jews? Look at you. You can't even save yourself. How are you going to save your nation? This was our Jesus and He was led to His slaughter like a lamb. He was silent and He did it for us. Jesus tasted death so that we would taste life. Jesus went to the cross so that you could experience His presence and so that you could say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to go into a song right now and then we're going to share communion this morning. But as we're singing this song, I want you to think about Jesus and what He tasted for you. I want you to think about His sacrifice. And Father, I just thank You. Lord God, that as as we just worship You now. That we can let go of feeling unworthy because of things we've done. Lord God, we know that You're running towards us 
And I thank You that we can let go of anything that we have held on to. Holy Spirit, help us in our weakness. Help us to let go of the things that have hurt us, the things that have shaped us, the mindsets that need to change in order us in order for us to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I pray as we worship now that you would just pour your goodness out. That you would just pour it out, God, on your people. Thank you, Jesus.